The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is the newscast for episode 131 for the week of uh, September 2nd, 2019. Alex, it's Labor Day. It is, Rob. I'm really tired. We've been laboring really hard putting this podcast together. I'm glad that there's a long weekend that I can relax right. and and enjoy the fruits of my labor. And depending on when you're listening, maybe your long weekend is over. Maybe you're right in the middle of it. I hope you're right in the middle of it. That would be awesome. You're relaxed. You're you know maybe two drinks in and you got two more, more to go. <laughs> Who knows? Um, wear sunscreen. Don't want to get sunburned. I, I don't want to get sunburned. Alex, I heard, you know, uh, this last week there was some big news about a, uh, uh, a, dental software, dental record software. You got hit and you had a personal experience with this attack. Right? Yeah, it was pretty funny. My son had an orthodontist appointment. We walked in, he had his checkup and then we had to schedule a follow-up and they're like, sorry, we can't schedule your follow-up now because our computers are down. And I thought, oh, well, you know, that kind of sucks for them, but you know, we'll, we'll do it later. And then I got to work and I read this story. It said, Hey, ransomware has taken down a big dental service provider and so all these dental offices are out. So I thought, oh, hey, uh, not a strange coincidence. Maybe my orthodontist has been ransomware. Yeah. So that, there was actually a story on Krebs about that. So I, I saw the yep. story, but I didn't. I didn't know. Obviously, it's nice to have a little, you know, close to home. I like that. Well, I don't know if it's nice to have it close to home, but it's. Uh, it is good to be in the know, I guess. It's good to be in the know. Hey, let's move over and talk about some housekeeping. We have a Slack channel. Uh, we have well over a thousand members of the Slack channel. Very vibrant conversations on there. If you're looking to get to know people in the area, uh, if you want to come rant, if you want to come say nice stuff, there's channels for all those things. Uh, go out to colorado-security.com to find the link to join the Slack channel. If you don't like that much interaction with people, then we do have a mailing list. The mailing list sends out one email a week. Just one, uh, you get the show notes in your mail every time we release a new episode. Go to colorado-security.com, sign up for the mailing list there to get the show notes. Uh, also, if you like the show and you want to help us out, we'd love it if you would go subscribe on your favorite listener so this gets delivered every week and rate us out there, especially out on iTunes. That would be a, a helpful way for us to get found by more people. Um, we are also on a couple different players. Uh, Alex is committed to getting us signed up for Stitcher. I have committed to it. We will get it done, Rob. We're going to get Stitcher uh, out there um, coming up soon. So we'd love it if you'd review us wherever you are. Uh, let us know. Also, we would love it if you told a friend about Colorado Equal Security and all the wonderful things that are happening, the podcast, the website, the event calendar, the Slack channel, just, you know, blurt it all out to them, just random strangers. It doesn't even have to be a friend. And, and I can imagine there's one person saying, I've told everyone I know, I've already signed up for the mailing list, I've already subscribed and rated the podcast, what more can I do to help? Rob, what more can you do? Well, they could sign up for our Patreon. We'd love it if, if you want to financially support us. Uh, that money in the Patreon goes directly into the podcast. None of it goes into our uh, very thin wallets. Um, it goes right back into the community. So we'd love it if you'd help support. Sweet. Th those are our announcements. Let's get on with the news. Uh, so this week, number one story is that the Denver, well, there's a story kind of comparing the cost of living of being in Denver versus, what was it, 75 other major cities across the U.S. Yeah. So Denver came in at number 20. Uh, which is, I think, a good thing. The average monthly expenses were $1,869.97. Um, as compared to number one, San Francisco, 
which was f- over four thousand uh, dollars or something like that. So that that's like rent for a, an apartment, your utilities, your internet, gasoline, and food. Um, so if I, you know, my math is right, eighteen hundred bucks a month. You're talking, you know, what, like twenty two thousand dollars a year ish, something like that. Yeah, I, I am thinking that the the expenses really are talking about like a just out of college person that doesn't have a whole lot of expenses. You know, they say one bedroom apartment and, and things like that. So it's you know, for expenses for you, Rob, it's going to be a little bit more. Whoa, with your, big with spender. Your, with your lavish Slow lifestyle. Down. <laughs> Slow uh, down. Uh, I also will say it was interesting to see that Colorado Springs was number 50 on the list. So just down the road, there is a place that is that much cheaper. So if you don't live. mind an extra hour commute to work, right? That's, that's the place for you. Exactly. Um, we do have a lot of listeners in the Springs and we love you guys. And we're glad that you guys can live for less money than we can up here. If you really want to go budget, El Paso was last on the list with El Paso. the least least uh cost for me. And if you're thinking, you know, I really want to blow all my money every month, uh San Francisco was your place, right? I think it was yeah. like forty five hundred dollars a month. Was, it was a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it was forty five or forty six hundred and like three quarters of that was rent. Right. Yeah. Right. And yes, and it says one bedroom, but that probably is not true. Uh, you yeah. know, one bedroom there is yeah. you're sharing one bedroom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving moving along here, we have a story about from the uh, Frontier CEO um, talking about their green campaign. So Frontier Airlines is the local uh, the local uh, budget airline, really the only local Denver airline, I think. Right. Um, and they actually, in 2017, had announced a potential IPO. They released their S1. A couple of years later, they haven't actually gone public, but uh, CEO talked a little bit about that possibility. No, Rob, I'm, I'm surprised you know what an S1 is. Um, they talked a lot about the fact that the Frontier is driving to become a very green airline. So they're, they're thinking that the IPO could help position them to be the greenest airline. Well, that sounds pretty fun. Uh, yeah. In addition to that, there's a study that was commissioned by DIA and uh, done by InterVistas. And it said that Frontier drove nearly $10 billion in total economic activity. Is that Colorado. million or billion? Billion with a B. Billion. Billion. That's a lot of money. Uh, sorry if we just blew your ears out there, everyone. Uh, next, we have a, a story about Amazon. They There's a Amazon warehouse in Colorado that is insta- installing Colorado's largest rooftop solar system. Yeah, so there's a new Amazon warehouse that's opening in I-25, sort of north of town, Thornton-ish, and it is installing six megawatts of electric power on top of the roof. Is that 1.2 gigawatts? It is very close to 1.2 gigawatts. You'd need uh, plutonium to do that, wouldn't you? No, don't you know? Uh, solar is much cleaner than plutonium and competitive price-wise now, Rob. So for anyone who has not watched Back to the Future in the last 30 years or so, that's what I'm referring to. Uh, I don't think that they will have a flux capacitor at the Amazon warehouse, but you know, actually, I bet that you can order a replica one, maybe even a real one from Holy Amazon. Smokes. So they, they may have a whole stockpile there. I, be, I bet if you Google or if you Amazon search flex capacitor, there are a lot of interesting things that come up. Yeah. So anyway, uh, congratulations to Amazon to their new warehouse and the amount of power that they're going to be generating there. And speaking of cyber attacks hitting close to home, one of our very own universities in town, one of the ones that actually has a master's in cybersecurity, uh, was just recently hit by a by a cyber attack. Yeah, uh, we don't have a whole lot of details on exactly what happened. We do know that there were many systems, basically all systems that were down at Regis for a bit. They are starting to come back up at this point. Uh, maybe by the time you listen to this, everything will be back to normal. Um, but, you know, it, it's hard for the university because this is when classes are starting, students are coming back. 
and systems are offline for things like that tell you what books you need and um, class schedules and, and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, so it, very impactful. And, and certainly, you know, it looks like it's been quite a while over like a week now, right? Um, where they've had inter- there some systems that weren't running. Uh, they got some stuff back up, but quite a few things still down as of as of the time we're recording this. Not a lot of details on exactly what happened, but we will try and get to the bottom of that. Uh, next, Coalfire has been selected as a partner within ATO on AWS APN program. So Rob, what are all those acronyms? Being? Well, uh, ATO authorization to uh, oper- operate or approval to operate, which is a uh, federal government's basically saying yeah, you're certified to, to run. So basically what this means is that uh, coal fire is going to be one of the 24 companies allowed to help federal companies uh, move into AWS and, and basically deploy their own infrastructure there yeah, in, so that, in a compliant fashion. That is pretty cool for them. Uh, congratulations to Coal Fire for that. And only 24. And the federal government is very big. That's true. There's a lot of money there. There is a lot of money there. Lots of people moving to the cloud also. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. Uh, next, we have a blog from Optiv talking about a retro risk appetite. Uh, Alex, what in the world is a retro risk appetite? Well, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, the blog post is talking a lot about uh, about tech debt. You know, legacy systems, legacy software. Uh, things that you need to do to try and get rid of some of that retro stuff that you have in your environment and reduce those risks. I think basically they're, they're talking about the fact that, you know, by not making a change, you're, you are accepting risk um, or all these systems as they get older. They specifically talk about Windows XP as a great example of a system that, you know, does not get better with age that, that uh, you know, because it's deployed so, deployed so widely is, is really looked at as a really good way to get into places. Uh, speaking of risk, Rob, you know what has a lot of risk to it? Open APIs on the internet. Uh, next, there's a blog post from Ping Identity talking about uh, trusting API tokens. Uh, that's true, and and this is a blog post that I was just just kind of paging through a little bit ago. Uh, what it really looks to me like is they're t- talking about the need to um, lock down your access beyond just saying, "Do you have the token or do you not have the token?" And you know, for those of us who you know maybe aren't as familiar with APIs. Um, if you if you're doing token based access, it's really no better than a static password, and in some ways it's worse because it's going to be stored in so many different places. As soon as it gets transferred somewhere, you know it, it could be out in the open. You know a lot of folks will put those tokens out in you know get GitHub on accident, and you know now it becomes public. So this blog post is just talking about the need to start looking for contextual access or contextual data around the access to let you know is this a high risk transaction? What else have they been doing? Um, you know, have they, have we, are we seeing weird behavior from this connection and use that as a way to, to turn things off? Those seems like uh, things that are good. Good ideas, Rob. And of course, Ping offers a solution that does just exactly what? that. What? I don't believe it. Speaking of blog posts that are sales pitches, we have one from Zavilo today as well, right? We do. There is some interesting information in here. Um, they talk about, uh, well, it's about single use phishing URLs and, uh, and the need to detect malicious URLs faster. So one of the interesting things is talking about how uh, the the length, the lifetime of uh, phishing URLs has changed over the years. So uh, the stats that they give is uh, back in 2016, um, you know, you were okay taking about 15 hours uh, to to figure out that a a URL was bad because you know that's how long it took for bad guys to spin up sites, start using them, so on and so forth. And now it's down. Uh, to seconds, you know, these single use URLs can get spun up as someone comes to uh, to check something out. And strangely enough, Zvilo has a, a way to help you prevent that. 
So uh, it, it is really interesting to know that how quickly these things are coming up and down. Um, it's also nice to know that we have a local company that helps with that. Good for them. Exactly. Uh, our final blog post news story of the week is a blog post from Swimlane talking about vulnerability management. And I don't think this directly addresses something that they sell. Yeah, well, I think... They help with things. Th- but they could help with parts of the vulnerability yeah. management. They could automate parts of your vulnerability management program. Yeah. Um, but really, they're, they're talking about the key components of a vulnerability management program being identification of uh, the hardware and software, asset owner and identification, policies related to scanning, reporting, and remediation of vulnerabilities. So those are sort of the three big buckets of things you need to do to have a successful vulnerability management program. I think anyone who's looking to create or improve their own vulnerability management program might want to take a look at this blog post and see if it's applicable to you. That's it for news. That means we're going to check out the Slack message of the week. We should say thanks to Andre Gaeta. We should. Andre is a sponsor of this every week. A very loyal, uh, faithful sponsor. Thanks, Andre, for doing that. Um, this week, uh, I picked Chris Abbey as our winner um, because Chris Abbey referred to, he, he had a, he started a, a thread actually on LinkedIn, but then brought it over to Slack um, talking about that Webroot article that you and Brian talked about last week. And you yeah. guys made a, you guys gave it a little bit of a hard time around the VPN question. Uh, it was, it was much more brutally treated in the yeah. Slack channel. Yeah, there, there was a lot of discussion around that this week in, in the Slack channel, um, especially some people in education saying, you know, how it is not necessarily, it would not go exactly the way that they talked about in the blog post. Yeah, so really interesting conversation. Thanks to Chris for bringing that up. Uh, I don't think that there's necessarily a right answer to the debate of, you know, is it better to talk about password guidance that gives complex passwords and, and asks you to reset it? What do they say? Like every 45 days or something like that? Or is it better to, um, or is it better to, you know, go the other way? I think that, you know, you can argue both ways. I think it was a really good conversation though. Yep, for sure. Uh, so, uh, thanks again to Andre for sponsoring that, um, the, with the Slack message of the week. Um, Chris will get a cool $25 piece of swag from the Colorado Equal Security Store. Awesome. Let's go ahead and jump over to our events. A reminder, we have an event calendar on our website at colorado-security.com. You can go check out what's going on. Man, it is, it, it, I know it, it didn't feel like it was calm during the summer, but it is really picking up here now that people are getting back to school. Most definitely. Uh, first on the list, uh, on September 3rd through 5th, ISSA Colorado Springs is doing their peak cyber event that's that's three days uh, hopefully a good event i'm looking forward to hearing how that goes on the fourth secure set is doing one of their capture the flag events and this is for all levels so you can come if you're a beginner or if you're kind of a badass <laughs> on the fifth uh splunk is doing their first thursday at top golf so if you want to hit golf balls and talk about splunk check and, that out and if you are not a splunk person if you're an elastic person uh, elastics is doing a sim hands-on workshop on the fifth um, so really, you get to pick between those two competitive technologies. Good times. Also on the 5th, there is a an event about following the evolution from Deming, TPS, Lean, DevOps, and Deg, DevSecOps. Really, I like I like that going from Deming all the way to current DevSecOps and yeah. figure out what that means. Uh, and then finally, on the 5th, Interface Denver is happening. This is one of those vendor conferences downtown. I'm sure if you haven't got your email for a free pass, it wouldn't be too hard to get one. On the 6th. Uh, in Colorado Springs, they're doing their cybersecurity first Friday social and mixer. On the 7th, which is a Saturday, uh, ISSA Denver is doing one of their CISSP seminars. This is on Domains 5, which is Identity and Access Management, near and dear to my heart, and Domain 8, Software Development uh, Security. On the 9th, SecureSet is doing a Hacking 101 intro to Wi-Fi. 
I think it's Wiffy, actually. Uh, it, actually, I apologize. It is Wiffy. Uh, on the 10th and 11th, ISSA Denver is doing their September chapter meetings. On the 14th, there is a CISSP seminar, and this is uh, for domains two, asset security, and four, communication and network security. And finally, on the 14th of September, ISSA Colorado Springs is doing a security plus prep exam. So our prep prep session so they're there's they're going to do three weeks in a row the 14th 21st and 28th um they're super cheap um, this is a really good way for you to get the the security plus we've already talked about the ciassp so if you're not doing that maybe this is the right one for you and rob since you said finally that means that we are done with events finally and we can move over to jobs and speaking of jobs uh there is a job opening at ping identity we have a grc analyst role um maybe today we have it open i don't know but as of the time of recording it's open we're, we're having some great conversations right now though uh if you're still interested in talking to ping about a grc analyst role apply online you can send me a note on the slack channel and i'll give you whatever info i can um saint anthony's is looking for a director of security engineering i assuming i assume that means the hospital i assume so too it's in inglewood that's where the hospital is uh, Hitachi Vantara is looking for a director of information security operations. Cool. Sir Cadence is looking for a lead cybersecurity engineer. Arrow is looking for a cloud security senior risk analyst. So if you want to analyze the senior risks in the cloud. This is working for Rishi over there. Rishi's yeah. a good guy. I think you'd like, might work, might like working on his team. He's a good guy. You should check that one out. Uh, Bank of America is looking for a third party assessment manager. Johns Manville is hiring a cybersecurity engineer. Red Canary is looking for a senior incident handler, and that job, like many Red Canary jobs, is remote. And this was posted by uh, by Chris Abbey, our Slack Message of the Week winner, so this is kind of a double-dip week for Chris. He's on fire. Uh, and finally, Netizen is hiring a senior cybersecurity engineer, also remote. Sweet. Lots of remote jobs. I know there's people on the Slack channel who, who don't, you know, it's not convenient for them to drive into town. These might be the like, jobs for you. I don't want that job in Boulder because I live in Parker. I don't want that job in... In Parker, because I live in Boulder. Yeah, we get a few of those. Uh, well, that is it for the news this week, Alex. Uh, I finally we, we finally pinned down Logarithm's brand new CEO, Mark oh. Logan. Um, and after security dragged me off, he was still willing to be interviewed. <laughs> um, so we ha we have him on the show this week. I think the key question, Rob, is: Are they pressing charges? Um, and you won't find that out until you've listened to the entire Ooh, interview. Very good. All right. Well, enjoy your holidays, everybody, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, Rob. This is Artie Wolkowski, CISO at Dish Network. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security, the podcast for Colorado security professionals by Colorado security professionals. All right, uh, this is Rob Reck with Colorado Equals Security, and today I have the pleasure of sitting in the Logarithm headquarters, you know, staring at a beautiful view of the mountains uh, with the new CEO, uh, Mark Logan. Mark, I'm really glad to have you here, and I'm, I'm excited to learn today about your own background. You know, what made you interested in coming to Logarithm and coming to Colorado? But before I want to talk about that, I want to hear about your passion for hockey and the fact that you're playing hockey as an executive and, you know, not a 20 year old man. Uh, how did this start? And, and w tell me about what you do. Well, so uh, so thanks. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun with it. I wouldn't characterize myself as NHL quality, but uh, but I have a lot of fun with it. Uh, I grew up in the greater Boston area, okay. so there's a big hockey culture there. And I grew up playing pond hockey and and this uh, really uh, got bitten by the bug. And yeah. uh, I've continued to play on uh, various teams uh, throughout my whole uh, career. So you, and the beauty of it, Rob, yeah. is it doesn't really interfere with family time because you play at these crazy hours. Because yeah, you can't get rink time. 
time during the normal exactly. hours, Exactly, right? so it's 9, 10, 11 o'clock, um, and, uh, and it keeps you relatively fit, so. Uh, except for when you break things, right? Except for when you break <laughs> things, which, you know, knock on wood, I haven't done that too often. No, you've been pretty pretty healthy through it? A couple of uh, nicks uh, and scrapes here and there. Yeah, I, I know, it seems like everyone who I know who plays hockey is like really serious about playing hockey. Yeah. You're not yeah, like partway into it. That, that you could characterize myself <laughs> as uh, very serious, and uh, I just enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. We have a so, lot of laughs. So do you, do you still play in a team right now? Well, so I'm in the process of uh, moving here to Boulder. Uh, yeah. So I'm in mid-move, I guess I would characterize it as. And uh, so I, I think I might. I might find there's a couple of rinks right around the corner. So Nice. Yeah, I might bring so the gear you, over. So you're going to be looking looking for a new team in town. So if there's anyone recruiting, for what, what position is your... Is I'm your, a centerman. Your, your center. Okay, so if anyone needs a center here in the, in the Boulder area... Give me uh, a call, please. Mark a call. And, and set some low expectations, though. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about your background. So, sure. you, you know, I think you said you're from Boston uh, Correct. recently, but originally, are you also from Boston? I am, yeah, yeah. So, no, more, uh, so uh, right now, uh, I'm moving from Washington, D.C. Right. area, yeah, yeah. but I grew up in, uh, in the Boston area. I got into technology very early on in my career, uh, so way back when. I worked for some great companies like Hewlett Packard, yeah. uh, big public companies like Sybase and Informix. So that's where I would say I got a lot of the uh, you know grounding and foundation sure. building of my career. So I know a lot of chief executives often come up the sales route. Is that true for you as well? It's very true. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I came up through the sales route uh, in the early days and then to sales management. And one of the real uh, meaningful pivot points for me was uh, myself and four of my uh, friends and colleagues from Sybase went off and uh, co-founded a, a CRM company. Really? Uh, so we did that in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. Uh, so I moved from Boston, and uh, it uh, it was a really fun, meaningful time of my career. So yeah. uh, so I got into management. There were five of us to start. Uh, we went through rounds of uh, venture financing. Uh, we grew to about 350 people. Holy it was smokes. right during the dot com uh, bubble. So okay. we, we wrote it up, wrote it down a little bit too. Uh, but then we ended up selling uh, to a Denver-based firm called J.D. Edwards. So was this in the late 90s then you're talking it about? It was. Yes, okay. exactly. Exactly. And what was the company you started? So it's called Ucentric, okay. uh, and it was a uh, very technically focused uh, CRM solution. Mm. So the landscape was littered with the likes of Siebel, Vantive, Orem, Scopus, Jana Systems, SalesLogix. I mean, there was, there was literally dozens. We were a little different in that we were uh, one of the first internet-based solutions oh, back really? when it wasn't uh, yeah. as common as it obviously is today. Were you uh, SaaS-based? Is that what you mean by internet-based? We were uh, Java-based, and then we uh, leveraged, uh, I'll get a little technical on you, yeah. Enterprise Java Beans. It was an object-oriented environment. Sure. So we were the known as the most flexible CRM solution. And we were able to close some very big accounts like Federal Express and Bank America. Nice. So we had some nice wins. It was, a very great, uh, it was a really great experience. And what was your role there in that company? So I ran all, uh, uh, so I ran all global sales, global marketing, global yep. alliances. Um, Maybe and we might call it a chief revenue officer these you days. Could say, something like yeah, that. You yeah, could okay. say. I don't know yeah. if that ex title existed back then. But yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, upon being acquired by J.D. Edwards, um, so I, I, I was one of the few of the co-founders that stayed on and uh, ended up running two divisions at JDE. Great company. Yeah. So uh, uh, so I can kind of continue the leadership path there. Um, Edwards got acquired by PeopleSoft. You may be right. familiar with PeopleSoft. Sure. Um, and I ran a large division there as well. And uh, and then when they were being, uh, uh, they were embroiled in a hostile takeover uh, hmm. from Oracle. Um, and uh, I did uh, decided I didn't want to stick around for all of that. 
and I uh, was recruited for my first CEO job. Oh, awesome. Uh, so, and that was a company, that's what brought me up to the DC area. So yeah. it was in, uh, in the Northern Virginia uh, area. And what, what kind of industry or position, what was this? So that was also enterprise software. And uh, the, the niche space was called telecom expense management. Hmm. So we would, uh, we would integrate with all of the large carriers and we would pull billing information and invoice information. And we would work with uh, very large enterprise customers um, that were spending 50, 100, 200, 500 million on telecommunications all in. Yeah. And these were typically Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 companies. We would reconcile uh, all of their uh, monthly billings and we would deliver back uh, a series of uh, expense reconciliations and we'd find savings. And yeah. it ended up being, we were a very profitable business to do business with. So our customers would end up saving literally uh, millions of dollars yeah. upon using our solution. Easy to show the ROI for. Very easy yeah. to show the yeah, ROI. Those are, those are great. So that was a company that uh, it was a, a perpetual on-prem uh, business that I inherited, I took over. And over time we evolved to 100% SaaS, 100% recurring revenue. And uh, if I think of the time frame, 2004-ish, it, we, uh, we made the move to SaaS before it was an obvious move. Wow, 2004 going to SaaS, that is, that is early. That's yeah. fantastic. So we, uh, we started to, we moved to a single tenant environment, then we moved to a multi-tenant environment. And, yeah. uh, it was a great run. So we grew, uh, it was a very hyper growth uh, business. We, uh, yeah, we, we went through a series of acquisitions. We acquired some of our uh, light companies and competitors and yeah. uh, that helped uh, some of the growth. So it was both an uh, organic and inorganic growth. Yeah. So I'd love to, I'd love to kind of pull out nuggets for the listeners who are thinking about their own careers. You know, as you kind of developed over your career career from sales, sales leadership, being a GM. You know, what did maybe just you know talk about these four different roles, right? Sales to sales leadership, sales leadership to GM to GM to CEO. Like, what are the what's the difference for you in terms of success in each of those positions? Well, uh, so I think on the sales leadership side, uh, it's it's you have to be very direct, it's very numbers oriented. Yeah. And uh, I've always enjoyed that uh, there's a scorecard at the end of the mm. quarter. Uh, you know how you did, it's not, uh, it's not an indirect uh, correlation, yeah. there's a direct correlation. Do we hit our number or do we not? Uh, are we growing or are we not? So, uh, so I think the, you know, the successful uh, sales managers, uh, they have to, have to have a keen focus on the numbers. Yeah. Um, I, I also found that um, a, it's, it's equally important to, uh, to be able to lead to impart uh, wisdom, uh, to be able to recruit well, um, and to motivate your sales teams. So yeah. uh, I, I've had the, the good fortune of uh, being able to recruit pretty well and to motivate teams pretty well. Yeah. Um, but then as you get into uh, the GM role, which, which I did at JD Edwards, I, I sort of did at Ucentric as well. Uh, now it's not just top line. Now you've got to be focused on bottom line. So uh, to be a little more specific about that, it's it's not just about closing any business at any cost. Yeah. Uh, you need profitable business, and you need to have a great uh, uh, profitable relationship with your customer. Hmm. You need to always be focused on delivering value to your customer. Yeah. So change changes from a transactional to a, a, a more holistic view. Is that I, a fair I, I way to put it? I think it's a very it? fair yeah. way of putting it. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So as a general manager, you know, one of your key metrics is profitability, sure. uh, gross margins, uh, and, and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and obviously then there's the collaboration with your colleagues. So you go from being a, you know, a, a salesperson really focused on the numbers to a leader focused on what's best for the business. Mm. So collaboration with finance becomes critical. Um, I've, I've had the good fortune of uh, partnering with great CFOs throughout my career. 
Um, so having that uh, that interaction and that collaboration is uh, is really important. Sure. Uh, understanding the the, the 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 larger strategic win results of the business, uh, yeah. not just of your own uh, discipline. When I think of a, a GM role, and I I, I I definitely want to hear your take about the difference between that and CEO. Um, I think of a GM as as being similar to a COO in a lot of ways. That that they they are going to have. Um, they're, they're going to be responsible for the internal focus more than the, with customers as well, but not so much like investor relations and, um, and trying to, to be the, the face of an organization as much as you would as a CEO. Is that, is that where you see the difference? You know, I, I think you've really, uh, uh, you've captured it well. Okay. Um, so it's probably, boy, let's pick a percentage. It's probably 65, 70% of a CEO's role because yeah. you've got a business unit. Uh, I'll go back to my J.D. Edwards uh, general management uh, uh, position. We had a budget, uh, we had profit goals, we actually did have developments. So we had uh, product management and development uh, teams uh, rolling up. We had release schedules. Uh, we, we had tight collaboration with finance, as I mentioned before. Uh, but no, a lot of those external aspects were not under the purview of, of that GM role. And I think oftentimes they are not. Yeah. Um, and maybe a second uh, uh, nuance to it is you're, you're part of a larger organization, but you're less focused on your sister uh, uh, divisions mm -hmm. and, and the you know your your the other pieces of the business yeah. as a CEO obviously you right. you're, you're doing all sorts of uh, uh, qualitative decisions on where do I put resources yeah uh, on, on which line of business gets a disproportionate share of our resources sure so as you as you went from GM to C CEO um, what was the what would you say was the biggest adjustment you needed to make to be successful in the new role? Well, an area that I, uh, I had uh, only a modest amount of experience in was uh, fundraising. Yeah. Uh, so at uh, the Eucentric days, we did do a, a couple of venture back rounds, one with uh, Technology Crossover Ventures, TCV, one with ABS Capital. Uh, so, uh, but, but I was uh, an arm's length away as the CRO. Uh, once you're the CEO, you spend a little bit more time on that than uh, perhaps I was uh, uh, really familiar with. Yeah. So, um, so that was that was one area that uh, you, you had to get pretty good at pretty fast. Yeah. Um, I, I had uh, Andre, the CEO of, of Ping, say to me one time early on that hit, you know the job of CEO and founder in his case was you know finding the right talent and the right funding and doing it at scale over and over and over again because it wasn't a one-time deal. Right. And, and I think, you know, there's also running the business, but I think running the business can be handled by a lot of people, but really it's getting the right people on the bus and getting the right funding was his, was his take on it. Indeed, indeed. Now, not to skip too far ahead, Rob, but uh, in the current scenario with Toma Bravo, yeah. a lot of that mm. is, uh, is sorted out already. It's taken care of, yeah. It's yeah, taken yeah. care of. So, right. uh, so in the, the, the PE world versus the VC world, there's a lot of benefits to the, B, the yeah. PE world because we don't have to look out for other funding sources. And with their, goodness gracious, 36 billion in assets under management, yeah. uh, we, they're, uh, uh, they're in good shape in that uh, area. We set a little context for anyone listening who doesn't know what we're talking about. So before we even talk about Tom of Bravo, let's talk about Logarithm. Um, so Logarithm is, uh, is one of the biggest couple of security vendors in Colorado, and you guys have been around here for what, 15 years? Not, not quite yep. 15 Sounds years? right. Something in that yep. ballpark. 15 and change, um, yeah. Um, and it, you know, headquartered in Boulder and, and built here and, and really grown here in a very significant way. Uh, and was it last year, Tama Bravo? I think it was about last year, it's, right? It's, it's almost exactly a year ago. Yeah, uh, Tama Bravo acquired um, 
uh, logarithm from the venture capital fund Correct. that had it. Tom Abrav was a big private equity firm. Um, so maybe you could just talk to me about like what does a change like that mean to a company like Logarithm? So, uh, so from from my perspective, I, I wasn't there back mm -hmm. uh, a year ago. Um, for your listeners, I've been on now for five weeks. This right, is the end of right, my right. fifth week, so uh, I'm a bit of a rookie. I take you down as as quickly as I could. Mm -hmm. I appreciate <laughs> that. I appreciate that. So. Um, the, uh, so, so I'll make a few statements about uh, the, the quality uh, of investor that, yeah. that we have here. So Toma Bravo has been around for, boy, decades, uh, many, many years. And they are considered really best in class, uh, probably number one in the PE world. Maybe number comes, two. When it comes to investing in, uh, okay, you can go with that. Uh, <laughs> of course, I work for them, Rob. So <laughs> uh, no, but uh, in all seriousness, uh, in the enterprise software space, they are traditionally uh, delivering. At, at the highest level. Yeah. Then when you look at not just enterprise software as an umbrella statement, specifically in cybersecurity software, uh, that's where they, they also set themselves apart. Yeah. And, and I'll give you a few case, uh, case and studies. Uh, so the, uh, the folks at SailPoint, mm -hmm. uh, they were acquired by Toma Bravo, I want to say three and a half, four years ago. TB put uh, significant investment in the company and the technology and so forth, and, uh, and then they went public, yeah. and they've been a, a great success story ever yep. since. Two weeks ago, same story, uh, not a cybersecurity company, but Dynatrace up in Boston. Mm. Uh, they uh, were acquired by uh, Toma Bravo three and a half years ago, put a lot of money in the technology, and they went public at uh, just under $7 billion nice. two weeks ago. So it, it's, a, it's a really interesting playbook that they, they yeah. run. Um, and the result is a lot of growth, a lot of success. Yeah, and they, they also own uh, uh, Centrify, which is another IAM company. Tom Bravo is the owner there. Uh, and I think there's a couple others that they own in the security space too that I, I off the top of my head, I can't remember. Right. Um, for those listening who don't know why I said the little second best comment, uh, the company I work for is owned by Vista Equity Partners, which is, you know, and a competitor to Tom Bravo, very similar. Aha, uh -huh, I similar, see. Similar model. Right. So I'm just getting, you know. And we work for them so well, Rob. I know, right? <laughs> uh, no, that's, it's, but that's a very good point. Yeah, those are probably the closest comparison pretty, companies. Pretty, pretty co comparable companies. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I don't want to spend too much time on the, the, the structure of the company. I want to talk about what you guys are doing. You guys have been, you know, uh, one of the leaders in, you know, the sim market for know, a decade, whatever it is, quite a while. Um, what, what are you focusing on now? Why, you know, obviously bringing in a new CEO means significant change. Like mm -hmm. what is it that you're coming in here to accomplish? Sure, sure. So there, there's a couple things. And I might even uh, give a little bit of background. Um, the cybersecurity software space, uh, in our piece of it, it's uh, the SIM space is growing uh, at a very good trajectory. Mm -hmm. um, so that's number one. Uh, and uh, so we're in a great market. And one of the reasons I've joined uh, is because of the strength of this market. Number two, um, we are very, very well positioned. So if you look at almost any industry analyst that covers our space, Forrester has us as the number one ranked company in the SEM part of cybersecurity. The Gartner Group, they do their magic quadrant. You've yep. heard of this. Uh, we're up into the right and uh, we're- Up in the leaders. We are in the there. leaders quadrant, yep. uh, competing with these companies that are many times our size. Mm. So we're right next to IBM. We're right next to Splunk. So we're right next to some real heavy hitters. Yep. Um, and from a feature functionality and time in the market and domain expertise perspective, there's nobody better. Hmm. So, so uh, I don't have to change anything there. We just have to keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. So now to answer your, your direct question, some of the key changes. Um, I referenced how um, our friends at Toma Bravo uh, tend to find great technology companies, double down on uh, investing in their R&D, and then grow, uh, growth and scale comes from that. 
So our priority number one is, you know, we're in the process now of uh, finalizing a very large investment in our R&D. Uh, mm. And the, the, uh, the focus of that will be on delivering a, uh, a more, more cloud-centric solution. Yeah. Um, a more uh, continued, to, we have some very large customers, but investing in our scalability, uh, investing in cloud centricity and uh, investing in uh, feature functionality. So we continue mm. that lead that, uh, that I referenced. Right. So, you know, I, I know you and I have talked a little bit. I, I've been a customer in the past. The, uh, the beginning of Logarithm was a physical appliance that you bought and you, you, know, you, hung, you put in your rack, you screwed it in yourself. You guys moved to a virtual appliance over time. Um, and, and, I, and I know you guys have currently have a, at least a single cloud offering. Maybe talk to me about like what you are today and how that's how it's going to be different in the future. So uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Rob. Uh, there's uh, we, we want to be flexible and we want to uh, uh, answer to market demand and market choices. So yeah. we want to give the market more choices. Sure. So uh, so uh, point number one there is we are now separating our hardware and software so that those companies that want to put uh, their software uh, to acquire software directly from us, we've now separated. In fact, some of the separation is just taking place here and now over the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, we uh, we want to be able to flex to their needs of putting our software to manage security on their premises or on the cloud yeah. or in a hybrid environment. So as I'm sure you know, you're pretty familiar with this space, uh, many, many enterprises don't want to put data up on the cloud mm -hmm. so, and, and many do. So some, uh, some view cloud as a, a way to more easily administer if the vendor, i.e. Logarithm, takes care of that administration. I don't have to buy servers. I don't right. have to buy databases. I don't have to have DBAs. Uh, you take care of it all. I will compensate you for that, put it in the cloud. Yeah. We, we, we can check that box. We announced a solution called LR Cloud, Logarithm Cloud, uh, about uh, six uh, months ago, I believe it was. And uh, we are now delivering on that uh, to our Is customers. Is that a single tenant? Uh, you know, you have your own basic like implementation of the logarithm solution in the cloud, or is it a multi-tenant SaaS type offering? So today it is a single tenant offering yeah. and, and really customers, uh, whether we get to multi-tenant, which we will uh, right. or not, it's, there's, there's going to be a very uh, little impact to our customers. It helps us to be able to uh, deliver in a multi-tenant environment sure. because it's more profitable Scales, for yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, we can scale. Exactly, exactly. And indirectly, we'll be able to then uh, uh, price the product even more competitively. Right. But uh, the early on feedback is we're very competitively, pr competitively priced. Um, and one of the things that was very important to our product delivery team was mirroring the feature functionality in the cloud to our on-prem mm. solutions. So as far as I know, we are the only competitive offering in our entire market that has that uh, exact same feature functionality in the cloud as we have on-prem. So that's, I assume that's gotta mean that you're using your soft, the same software that you use on-prem, you're using in the cloud, right? We are. You're, you haven't created a separate solution for the cloud that's, that, you know, that's a, like its own, its own thing. Yeah. I'll make a general statement that that is correct. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Otherwise, you, otherwise feature parities just about impossible, right? It, it just takes forever to create, you know, a decade-old product as a multi-tenant, you know, immediately. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so with this large, uh, uh, soon-to-be late in this quarter uh, investment in our R&D, yeah. uh, we're going to take a lot of that and just double down and yeah. increase, uh, you know, get to multi-tenancy, increase scalability to even greater levels uh, to be able to take on uh, even more capacity. And as you well know. 
the big data world, uh, data is growing at an exponential rate. Right. So we want to continue to be there to uh, be able to manage the largest global customers in the world. So there's there's got to be a trade-off here. I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. The the single tenant version of your software in the cloud, you, you can get feature parity for what you have on-prem. When you get to a multi-tenant environment, the configuration customization of the solution has to go down in order to be a multi-tenant solution, generally. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's generally what my experience has been just about everywhere. You just don't get as many bells and whistles if you're using a multi-tenant solution. So is your intention that in the long run, there's going to be, you know, four different ways to do it, a physical appliance, virtual appliance, a single tenant cloud environment, multi-tenant cloud environment, or do you plan to, to kind of centralize on one or more of those options? Well, so the less uh, code bases that are out there, the, the, the easier it is for us to serve our customers' needs. Okay. So, so we'd like to, uh, to get to a core code base and without getting into too many uh, uh, confidential details yeah. on uh, what we'll be delivering in, in the future, uh, we, uh, we want to give our customers choices. Sure. And we want to be able to uh, provide a, uh, you know, a state-of-the-art, out-of-the-box solution that can then be configured, maybe not customized, but configured right. to meet some specific needs. And that can be done in a SaaS multi-tenant environment as well. Look at uh, the likes of Salesforce. Everybody knows Salesforce, everybody has Salesforce. They offer a cloud-based multi-tenant environment that is highly configurable. Mm -hmm. We know that very well because we've highly configured our uh, version. Right. So that is, uh, that's our goal to continue to extend uh, that level okay. of flexibility. Um, at, to our customers. And I would add, uh, so you, you mentioned four potential deployment options. Yeah. Another central to our success and central to the market demand is how we deploy into our partners' uh, environments. Hmm. So uh, so the, the, the market uh, looks to the MSSPs, right? Managed right. security software providers as a, as a critical component of demand. So we don't intend to get into that market. We're the software folks. Uh, but we have a very robust, maybe the most robust channels, partnership uh, and alliances yeah. group uh, in the market. So, you know, the likes of NTT and Unisys and Presidio and Optiv. Optiv is, right. uh, I'm sure you know them quite well. Yeah. They're right in your backyard. Um, they are outstanding at providing that full service. And we, as a software provider, Rob, have to uh, understand their needs uh, that, uh, to, to properly manage logarithm inside. It's really the, the B2B to C, right? Business to business to customer, where instead of you selling directly to the customer, you're selling to this MSSP that has to have the ability to do it their own segmentation and really maybe even kind of run their own multi-tenant SaaS from, from their perspective. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. great. So, so we're very cognizant of our partners' needs, uh, so much so that in the last week, we, uh, we had a big event in the last week. We yeah. can get to that in a, in a bit. But uh, in the last week, I met with uh, the, the top leadership of those at least those four MSSP providers yeah. um, to make sure that they're getting everything they need from us because it's a, it's a central part of our go-to-market strategy. Yeah, that's great. Well, so you talked a little bit about your priority going forward. You didn't mess it up. Only only a month on the job. That's pretty good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's talk about like where, where do you see? Um, oh gosh, where, I don't know where I want to go here. Uh, where do you see you know logarithms' uh, biggest opportunity for like uh, expansion? You know, obviously you guys have been doing great in, in enterprises. Where do you really want to focus on and? on kicking butt in the next year. Yes, yeah, so it's a great question. Uh, I'll give you two answers. Uh, the first of which is uh, we, we have uh, determined that there is, uh, there's a market demand for more flexible, uh, honestly, more flexible licensing. So 
Um, the, uh, there, there's a big player in the market uh, uh, that uh, uh, they're public called Splunk. Yeah. A lot of people know them. Um, they're uh, free. Did you know that? They are very expensive. Uh, you no, couldn't it's be free. You, you just put it. You install it. You it couldn't works. be further <laughs> off on that one. Uh, so was it free for two gigs a day? Right? Uh, so uh, so so they're. Uh, uh, if you go to the guard, uh, if you go, I have a lot of respect for their growth yeah. and for their profitability. Yeah, for um, sure. But uh, as I interact with customers that have experience with uh, you know their model uh, versus ours, or there might be a, a dual environment where they're running some of uh, their solution and logarithm. Mm. Um, there is a there's a need to provide a, a few things a more predictable cost structure right. because what's unpredictable is this big data growth how much data am I going to have next year absolutely you hit the nail on the head yeah. um, so so as data grows um, CISOs right chief security uh, officers and uh, CFOs they can't be hit with surprises and. Right. Uh, there, there's a big market demand right now for that consistent view on uh, on how I'm going to pay for this solution. Yeah. So, in the coming weeks, um, uh, this will be uh, known as a, a, a leading teaser, I guess. Yeah. In the coming weeks, we're going to make some announcements about oh, awesome. how we are going to really disrupt the market, uh, providing a little bit more flexible licensing, because the uh, you never want to put a CISO in a position where his chief financial officer says to uh, he or she, you have to start pulling data out of your mm -hmm. SEM solution because it's too expensive. So what data do you not want to protect? Right. Your consumer data, your IoT data, right. your, your or IT. You, or you start getting rid of it more quickly and, you know, and so you're no longer able to keep as much history as you want. What, whatever games you play, they're not, they're not games you really want to be Indeed. playing. Indeed. Yeah. So there, there's a big opportunity to take share from some of the leading providers, yeah. some of the other leading providers. Uh, so that's number one, and uh, and I think you'll see in the in the weeks ahead. Perhaps we can uh, catch back up uh, uh, the uh, the end of next month uh, and uh, discuss some of these uh, uh, announcements. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, secondly, there's uh, uh, another growth area is geographically. So so we're a global company. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a very large operation in uh, EMEA. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so just a press release a month or so ago about a new data center out there. Is it London? I think it was, or maybe right outside. Uh, okay. So, uh, so we have operations in Maidenhead, in, uh, UK. Yeah. We have a large uh, and growing operation in Asia Pac. Mm. Um, we have uh, business in LATAM. Uh, in fact, I heard we just closed a nice big deal in Mexico yesterday. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, we have a great team down there as well. So, uh, uh, but there, there's a, a tremendous opportunity to grow. Yeah. And, and oftentimes, some of the certainly the European markets uh, they lag the U.S. Uh, slightly, maybe by a year or two. Uh, so a lot of uh, a lot of growth will come from those remote markets as well. Hmm. That's great. It seems like a good strategy. I, you know, you mentioned you alluded to uh, Rhythm World a little bit. What is Rhythm World, and and why wasn't I there? Well, uh, yes, that's a really good question. Why wasn't Rob there? Uh, so uh, it was it was outstanding. Um, and if you could see, what is it for those it, listening? What is it? So uh, each year we have an annual user conference, yeah. and uh, we call it Rhythm World, uh, and we gather users from uh, really all over the globe. Yeah. Um, we had the CISO from uh, Qatar uh, oh, National Bank. Uh, cool. He's a, a recent customer, a great guy. So he traveled. I think he told me twenty four hours to get to this event. Yeah. Uh, we sold out, um, and then we, uh, we ended up packing a few more people in. So Don't the, tell the fire marshal. Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> indeed. So it was right downtown in uh, the, the Hyatt Convention Center, um, and it was, it was wonderful, Rob. Uh, so it's, essentially, it's a customer gathering for three and a half days, 
and at its core, it's sharing best practices. So we, we uh, teach a lot of courses uh, to our uh, you know, chief uh, security officer customers uh, and their uh, associates and their analysts on uh, best practices, threat detection. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, so there's a lot of learning. Uh, there's uh, customer panels where they're sharing their case studies and, yeah. uh, and how they're setting up their operation um, and you know, where they're seeing uh, threats come. Um, there's, uh, there's a lot of partner uh, engagements. So we have our alliance partners uh, attend and, and they run some sessions. So I think by, uh, by the end of the day yesterday, around five o'clock when we uh, closed things out, um, there, was, uh, there was a lot of enthusiasm around uh, how that uh, sharing of best practices and the knowledge yeah. transfer took place. So you said it was in Denver this year. Is it always in Denver or is it move around? Well, uh, so our first one was actually at Vail, uh, okay. of all places. Well, that's fun. Yeah, it was fun, but uh, we very quickly outgrew it. So yeah. from the first year, we doubled last year. That yeah. was uh, our second year. This was our third year, doubled again. Yeah, well, nice. And, uh, and I threw out some numbers to the event team that uh, I foresee as doubling yet again next year. Oh, great. So, uh, so they grabbed their hearts, and they, uh, they, they, <laughs> they uh, took a deep breath. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, it's a big event, a lot of work, yeah. but uh, a lot of uh, positive goodwill. Right. A lot of value um, for sure. Yeah, I got a chance to meet with literally hundreds of our customers and got great feedback about our uh, roadmap. So, you know, a lot of how you build a great company mm -hmm. is listen to your customers. Mm -hmm. You pulse the market and our customers will tell us, hey, these 10 features are great and they're meaningful. These other two or three features we need to see. So, yeah. so very quickly, we pull those requirements into our product roadmap. Yeah, that's great. So I, know, I want to take a little bit of a left turn here. You know, obviously you guys make uh, wonderful security solutions and, and you guys have been a great part of the economy here in Colorado. Uh, you're also an employer here in, in town. So I, I know you're hiring. I'd love to hear what kind of positions are you hiring for right now and, and what is it you're looking for for folks who, who, who are looking to hire for those positions? Well, um, we, uh, because we're growing, yeah. uh, we're always looking for quality folks uh, mm -hmm. across the board in, in all areas. Uh, so I would say, uh, so number one, um, anybody with the you know, cybersecurity background, uh, whether they're developers, uh, if they have SaaS background, uh, multi-tenancy, yeah. uh, real contemporary um, development skills, we're always looking to build. Yeah. In fact, we just announced opening up a, um, a, a small R&D hub up in the Denver Technology Center in the I DTC. Really I didn't know that. And, and the reason was uh, we, you know, we want to make sure that we're attracting all of the, the best and brightest talent. Right. So uh, there, there's a lot of folks here in Boulder and there's great talent in Denver. Yeah. In fact, there's great talent all over the globe. Uh, so wherever that talent is, we want to make sure that we're, uh, we're available to recruit them. Um, I, I'd say the second, uh, so it was a little bit of a general answer, we're, but we're always looking for talented individuals. Sure. But what's core to our recruitment strategy is uh, fitting with our company culture. Mm. Um, the company culture here is, is honestly one of the reasons I joined. So as I was going through the, the early on evaluation and interview process, uh, meeting with the members of the leadership team, meeting with the investors, uh, meeting with some of the employees, uh, it, was, it was clear that there is a, a great culture of collaboration, of uh, work hard, play hard. Mm. Um, um, you know, respect for the individual, um, and uh, and all those things are really core to our uh, to our inner being. Yeah, that's great. So finding folks that uh, yeah. adhere to that uh, culture is is critical. I love it. And, and 
you know, if it, let's say someone heard what you said, they're really excited about it, um, and and they don't trust submitting to a website is going to get them significantly considered. What's the perfect way for them to uh, to try and you know get known, get you know have an opportunity for a job here at Logarithm? Well, so our, our head of uh, human resources, Dennis, would be a, a person they should uh, reach out to. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, so I'm sure we can, we can get his uh, email out there. His inbox may get uh, may get slammed. That's but, what he's uh, here for. Yeah, he'll he'll uh, exactly he'll thank me at some point, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, just uh, reach right out to our uh, head of uh, HR. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, he's, his uh, his contact information should be on our website. And what's going to make you? You know, you've been here for five weeks. Let's say a year from now. A year, a year after you've been at Logarithm, what's going to make you say that year that year worked? Yes, we, we, we've had success. What's the, call it one to three things that's really top of mind for you? Well, that we've delivered a, uh, um, a, a series of go-to-market strategies that uh, the market has requested, uh, they've demanded, and they've then responded to. So, mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's, uh, yeah, that'll be measured in customer growth, uh, revenue growth, honestly. Yeah. Um, that uh, that this, some of the strategies I'm alluding to, and I'm being a little vague purposely, yeah. uh, that some of those strategies resonated, and uh, and in return there was a, a significant uptick in new customer sure. uh, wins uh, across the globe. Basically, being able to see data that shows that these you know a few things we've talked about already are actually you know moving moving the needle. Right? Indeed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, we uh, one of the other strategies that uh, uh, that we'll be telling a year from now that we yeah. didn't talk about much is uh, this move from perpetual to subscription. So uh, I think the listeners will know the difference between perpetual licensing, typically a capital expenditure, yeah. um, and uh, and subscription, which is typically an operating expense. Yeah. Um, we. I've said this a few times, and it bears repeating. We want to be flexible to flex to the market demand. Some uh, industries, utilities, and some federal uh, agencies, they have to buy capital assets. So, good news is we can deliver. Um, a big, big part of the market um, adheres to operating expense and these subscription licenses. Yeah. Look no further than Marketo and Salesforce and NetSuite and yeah. Workday, uh, that booming SaaS market. Well, it's subscription oriented, and we haven't traditionally focused on that side of the market, um, which in the next year, we will have a heavy emphasis on uh, delivering that type of a customer engagement option. I love it. That's great. Um, so I want to ask, is there anything that I, that I haven't asked you that you wish I'd ask? Anything else you want to talk about? Well, we, uh, uh, we love Boulder, uh, yeah. so, so we are a big member of the community here. I think we alluded to that a little yeah. bit. Were you here in time to do the, the tube to work day, or is that, did you miss it? Goodness gracious, you're going to ask me about this. <laughs> you're going to ask me about this, aren't you? Oh, I, so the, I was hoping you would. No, it was a lot of fun. It was my first week on the job. Oh, awesome. And uh, well, so... For those listening, what is tubing to work, tube to work day? Uh, so if you had asked me uh, six weeks ago, yeah. I would have no idea. But since I was a uh, participant, and I now know. So uh, Boulder has for years, for 10 years, uh, they've, they've been running okay. tube to work. So Boulder has a, a, a river that runs right down the middle of town. Um, and uh, individuals get inter inner tubes. Yeah. Uh, you hop in the inner tube and, and this river, which I thought was a bubbling creek, come to find out it's not. You could run an Olympic whitewater rafting uh, competition smoke. on this thing. Uh, so I think it started with a couple of dozen people years ago. This year there was 1,000 oh tubers 
that gathered around eight, nine o'clock in the morning, yeah. uh, five weeks ago, the mayor of Boulder comes, nice. kicks things off. And Logarithm has been a long standing sponsor. We were the, the lead sponsor for this yeah. event. Uh, our, uh, one of our co-founders was there to, yeah. uh, to cut the ribbon. Nice. I was there as well. Um, and I would say there were 100, 150 Logarithm employees oh, uh, that participated. And you hop in the icy cold water and you raft down for, I don't know, a half hour to an hour. Yeah. Um, and theoretically, if your business is close to the, the creek or the river, you can in fact tube to work that day. It's your day. commute, yeah. Right, right. It's very uh, ecologically sound. Sure so, it is. Yes, there are photos of me in a wetsuit with an inner tube uh, that will not be released anytime yeah. soon. Oh, that's fantastic. So, you know, as a, as a member of the community, I want to just make sure, you know, you are aware that we, we are a huge support. We believe logarithm is really important to the Colorado security community. We, you know, you have an, been entrusted with an important part of our community and we're really looking forward to your success. You know, whatever we can do to, to help you guys continue to grow, continue to be, you know, one of the jewels of the, of the crown here for Colorado, you know, we want to do. Um, so I'd say reach out to me, reach out to Alex, if, whatever we can do to help you guys be successful in that way. Uh, anything else for the community that they can do? Obviously, buy your stuff. Get that. But of what, course. What else can we do to, to help you guys be successful? Well, I, I, you know, I've often heard that we are the best kept secret mm. in the cybersecurity market. Um, that's not a, uh, an attribute that I'm yeah. proud of. <laughs> that's not what you want to be. Yeah. No, no. We want to be the well, most well-known. Yeah. And after coming out of our customer event uh, just in the last couple of days, we deliver such value to our customers. Value is measured by fast time to uh, production. Customers buy our solution and they're up and running in, in days in mm. some cases. Value in that uh, it, it is very easy to use. We come packaged with all sorts of different uh, threat detection uh, capabilities out of the box where in many cases, our, our competitors, I referenced one of them, uh, there's a lot of uh, manual buildings. So they might give you a framework, but there's no house there. You have to build the rest of the house around it. Where with Logarithm, right out of the box, you've got uh, a solution that can be stood up, delivered, and uh, drive value, protection, protecting your enterprise immediately. So, uh, so we need to get that word out. That's yeah. our responsibility, but uh, as, a, as a friend of the company, yeah. uh, the, the more we can get the word out that uh, we have a highly unique, high value solution that uh, is very customer friendly as well, uh, that we will flex to whatever the customer's needs are, whether it's a deployment option, on-prem, cloud, hybrid, whether it's a licensing option, uh, whether it's how they finance the solution. Um, so we, are, we aim to be the most customer friendly uh, solutions provider providing the highest value cybersecurity software in the market. Oh, awesome. Well, that sounds great. And of course, if people can share that, if people can talk about that, I think that's that's really what they can do for Indeed you, right? they can. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. Well, Mark, anything else we should talk about before we before we call it? Just that I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, so awesome. I'm five weeks on the job and it's uh, flown by. Yeah. Um, but you're, uh, but you're, you're itching to hit someone, aren't you? You really want to check someone into the boards. <laughs> I can tell it's been, it's been too long without getting to play. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 uh, that's a, I'll hold off on checking anybody, uh, you know, in the office. But uh, no, it's it's it, it's uh, it's inspiring to come in and see uh, the, the great people here. Yeah. Um, and it was very inspiring to see uh, you know a, a segment of our customers over the past week. Uh, there, there's there's a real uh, a real buzz uh, around the company and uh, and around our uh, our ecosystem of customers and partners. And uh, now we just need to get the word out. Yeah, I love it. 
Awesome. Well, thanks, Mark. It was really a pleasure having you on. Like you said, I want to reconnect later and hear how things are going and you know, certainly keep the, keep the story going forward. Outstanding. Thanks, All Rob. Right. Appreciate well, have a good it. One. Learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado equals security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.